This is Exodus chapter 31. Here's the point of all that. God, as creator, is meticulous in his handiwork. This tabernacle that he's describing to Moses is a pattern of the very handiwork of God in heaven. Okay? So, it's not going to be some piece of junk. It's going to be, although on the outside, it's, it's going to not be just to the average Gentile view. It's not going to be, you have to, you have to be part of God's people to understand and appreciate what's going on. So I, this is Exodus 31. We've come here. You always spoke to Moses saying, See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, <laughs> Ben-Hur. Well, there he is. Bezalel, Ben-Hur, of the tribe of Judah. All right. Take, take how profound that is. Now, this is the Lord saying to Moses up there when the two of them are together, look at this, Moses. I have called by name this guy. And I know who he is. I have called him by name. And I have imbued him with the spirit of Elohim, with wisdom, with insight, with knowledge, and with talent for all manner of craftsmanship to do master weaving, to work with gold, with silver, and with copper, with the craft of stones for setting, and with the craft of wood to do every manner of work. I'm in a parallel universe. I just met myself going back. <laughs> and I did it without meaning to. Um, Okay, who is, in, in human history, notwithstanding this guy, in human history, who is the greatest craftsman or whatever? Worker with his hands? What you think human. Of? human. Michelangelo, okay. Anybody else? Michelangelo? Thomas Edison. Thomas Edison. Da Vinci. Da Vinci. Whoever built the pyramids. Whoever built the pyramids, that was Ahmed Patel, I guess. I don't know. Okay. In my view, they weren't anything close to this guy. And he didn't have the equipment that some of these people had in later times. Uh... So he had to make his own equipment to work with, and he had to, he had to, he had to go and mix with flour juice and, and, and spider guts or whatever. He had to mix his own paint, right? Um, mm, um, so he had to, he, and then he had to discover it himself, all these rich colors that the Lord had required. Well, here's the guy responsible for it. And God said, I gave him the talent. 
uh, to do everything. This guy was a master weaver, goldsmith, silversmith, coppersmith. Uh, he was a jeweler, craft of stones for setting. Uh, he was a master carpenter. He could do everything. So the Lord provided probably the greatest probably the greatest craftsman in the world except maybe for Jesus the carpenter I won't say that I won't say that he was better than Je his woodwork was better than Jesus woodwork but the Lord said I have given him understanding spirit uh, spirit of wisdom insight knowledge and talent for all manner of craftsmanship now this is a detail that Yahweh is attending to because Yahweh means for that which reflects the work and ministry of his son be as perfect as a human can make it. We've already studied how all of this reflects and, and we get that from the book of Hebrews. This is not something we just conjure up. You know, sometimes people have a tendency to look at something in the Old Testament and overthink it or whatever and, and, and make it, uh, try to make it applicable to something that it doesn't really relate to or whatever. But we can say that the tabernacle and later the temple reflect the ministry, work, and person and flesh of Christ because we get that from the book of Hebrews. We're allowed to do that. Okay. So the Lord is saying, this is going to be the finest thing in the world when it's finished for the people who will ever. It's going to be the finest tapestry, the, the work that is work of gold. You know, the cherubim the, that are above the Ark of the Covenant, the overlay of gold, uh, the menorah, all, everything. Everything is going to be the most beautiful and the shiniest and as perfect as, as it can be in the human world because I have gifted this guy and given him the talent to do all kinds of this work. So the Lord is attending to the detail of workmanship because God's workmanship is perfect. God has a great vast array and we saw a, we saw a sampling of it from the microscopic world to the to the interstellar world and to the deep sea world and some of the weirdest animals that exist. These are all the handiwork of God. Um, and through the scriptures, God many times references his handiwork. It's just his handiwork. Um, so that we can appreciate the greatness of God and, and you and I should have a greater appreciation because People in those days, they couldn't have seen those microscopic creatures. They couldn't have known about creatures, what, five, six, eight miles deep that are so deep there's no light down there at all, and they produce their own light from their bodies. They couldn't have known all that, but now the more we discover about God's creation, the more we marvel at His handiwork. It's simply an amazing thing. I saw a thing on TV ah, two or three or four years ago, I can't remember, but it was some deep part of the ocean that is a constant volcano or eruption where lava is always coming out. It never stops. And so the immediate surrounding of that lava, even though it's very deep and cold, the immediate surrounding was fairly warm. 
and there was a, uh, there was a special group of creatures living there that couldn't live anywhere else. That deep, with all of that pressure, but the water wasn't cold, it was much warmer, and they lived there all their lives. I read a, I read a, to, to marvel at the handiwork of God even further, I read an article this week that a new type of fungus was discovered that is eating the radioactivity of Chernobyl. So do you think human beings can destroy God's earth? Well, of course not. Of course not. You remember when this thing in the Gulf, not far off from our coast, was erupting oil? And a new kind of, uh, I guess it was fungus or something, bacteria, whatever, that eats petroleum was discovered. And when this stuff came out in abundance, they just increased their numbers and started eating that stuff up. Everybody was saying we were going, now we have to be careful, obviously. We have to be good stewards of God's earth. I, I mean, we don't want to be foolish and, and wasteful. Um, but uh, at the same time, things happen and God's never caught off guard because God is such a workman and he loves his workmanship. This is a reflection of who he is. So if something, even though we're in a fallen world and it's all destined to collapse and pass away anyway, yet still in the state of the first heaven and the first earth, God still has countermeasures for stuff like radioactivity, like what happened at Chernobyl or the oil that was, the crude oil that was just exploding and spewing and pouring out of the ocean bottom, the Gulf bottom, um, some, some years ago. Uh, I read, but you may have read the same things. You know, we were never going to have Gulf Shores again. It was just going to be some sort of tar pit or something. Um, so God is a, <laughs> obviously a master craftsman himself. And we saw just a, a speck of the spectrum of his handiwork from the, from the deepest recesses of space to the most microscopic things that we have the ability to see and what's, what's even smaller than that, who can know? What's beyond what we've seen in the universe, who can know? Uh, if you want to get smaller than what we can see, you'll have to ask Ant-Man. Uh, he, he got all the way down there to the... <laughs> um, so this, the tabernacle, the things that we've studied, the, 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 the furniture of it, the workmen, the ship of it, and so forth, this is extremely important for the Lord to be reflected, the work of the Lord to be reflected in this place. So he gives this guy probably the greatest skill that anybody has ever had. Uh, in all, I mean, he could do it all, right? He could do it all. And behold, with him I have placed Aholiab, the son of Ahisamach of the tribe of Dan, and all the wise-hearted into whose hearts I have instilled wisdom, and they shall make everything I have commanded you. 
through history, and you can help me here. Well, you mentioned Thomas Edison. In many ways, in many ways, what he did has helped mankind, right? Uh, other people. And these people don't have to be saved folks for God to give them a spirit of skill of some kind to help mankind when God knows mankind needs the help. Uh, I really didn't think about that. I could have thought before coming in here, but I'm sure there are half a dozen, a dozen that are at the top that we could, uh, that we could think of. And so it is here. And if you'll notice, he says, not just this guy, but I'm going to give him some help. And other guys in whose hearts I have instilled wisdom. They will make everything that I... You can imagine how blown away Moses must have felt when God was saying, I want you to make this with these colors, and I want you to do this, and take this kind of gold, and then put this gold, take this kind of wood, and put this gold covering over it. Well, how am I going to do that and make it, and make it look right, you know? the poles and, and the silver rings and, and the beautiful tapestry of the, of the curtains that, that the priests would see on the inside. Moses doesn't need to worry about all that because God already has it taken care of. That's why people of faith, we just don't have to worry about these things that people are always coming up with. You know, we're already supposed to be underwater and... and uh, a third of Florida was supposed to have already been. I saw, I saw your vice president, who about 30 years ago said that in 20 years, most of the earth, you know, would be lost to mankind. And uh, uh, that was, he, he's wrong. And people still invite him to speak. So here it is, the tent of meeting and the ark for the testaments, the ark of the covenant as well as the cover that shall be upon it, and all the implements of the tent, the table, its implements, the pure menorah and all its implements, the altar of incense, the altar for the burnt offering and all its implements, the wash stand and its base, the meshwork garments, the holy garments for Aaron, the priest, the high priest, uh, the garments of his sons in which to serve as priests, the anointing oil, the incense for the, for the holy, uh, that is the holy of holies, in, in, in the holy place, in complete accordance with everything I have commanded you, they shall do. They're already ready to go. They already have, Moses comes up with this meticulous, intricate blueprint and all of the, all of the, uh, all of, all of the material that's to go in it. And these guys say, okay, no problem. Next page. Okay, no problem. You know, and Moses, of course, himself, I'm sure, was wondering, how are we going to do this? And it be something that reflect the glory of our God. So God takes care of it. He always spoke to Moses saying, and you speak to the sons of Israel and say, only keep my Sabbaths. All right. You can work, work like little busy bees. Uh, putting this thing together. I'm sure he had to have people to go out and find the, the base material that he had to make the colors, the dyes for the, uh, for the, for the weavings and, 
and, and to gather the gold and to melt them. I mean, you know, one guy couldn't have done all that. But God said, don't forget, you're still not supposed to work on the Sabbath. Why? Because it is a sign between me and you for your generations to know that I, Yahweh, make you holy. I have separated you. And this is, this is a way for people to know your separation. Therefore, keep the Sabbath, for it is a sacred thing for you. Those who desecrate it shall be put to death. For whoever performs work on it, that soul will be cut off from the midst of the people. Six days work may be done, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath of complete rest, holy to Yahweh. Whoever performs work on the Sabbath day shall be put to death. Man, that's severe, isn't it? Now you can imagine, let's fast forward that to the time of Jesus and the Pharisees had over 600 ways that you could violate the Sabbath. Now who's going to go around knowing all that? You're, you can only do this, but you can't do more than that. And it's not even in the Bible. It's just something they made up. Uh, because in that way, they could, they could keep the people subjugated. They could keep their power over the people. The simple command is, don't work on the Sabbath. Thus shall the sons of Israel observe the, observe the Sabbath to make the Sabbath throughout their generations as an everlasting covenant. This is peculiar to show the sign that God has separated them as their people. Between me and the sons of Israel, it is forever a sign that in six days Yahweh created the heaven and the earth, and on the seventh day he ceased and rested. When he had finished speaking with him on Mount Sinai, he gave Moses the two tablets of the testimony, stone tablets written with the finger of Elohim. It's interesting to me that the last of the Ten Commandments is an emphasis on the Sabbath. Note that it also says it's written with the finger of Elohim. We're going to keep that in the back of our minds uh, when we get on over a little later um, with regard to stone tablets. How do you know? You're right, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you have it. <laughs> Any other questions? <laughs> I know what you're saying. You're saying you're trying to make the church into Israel, that, that we're not observing the Sabbath. And there are denominations who build themselves on observing the Sabbath. And the Sabbath starts at what we would call sundown on Friday and it goes to sundown on Saturday. Um, so, you know. Oh yeah, yeah, they observe all of that. Uh, they still require circumcision for their male children on the eighth day. Um, they have kosher food. It's, it's still there. It's, it doesn't save them. 
It does do one thing, however, even today, it still shows that they're separated in their minds. They're separated to God, you know. Uh, but it doesn't save them. They have to be, in, today in the church, they have to be in the church uh, to be saved. The Sabbath for us is fulfilled in Christ. We rest in Him. God rested on the seventh day, not because He was tired, but because He was through, and there wasn't anything to add to it. So, Nobody has added an, uh, another galaxy or, an, or another piece of outer space or anything in the subatomic world. Nobody's added anything to that because God has completed it. He's finished. So he rests on the seventh day because he's through. And the seventh day of rest says nothing can be added to this. Okay, what does Christ do? Christ is our Sabbath, according to the New Testament. We rest in Christ because Christ finished the work on the cross and there's nothing we can add to it. So we rest in Christ. So our Sabbath is different from the Jewish Sabbath. Yet still, to your question and point to be made, Orthodox Jews still observe it uh, because of their old covenant. Matter of fact, the book of Ezekiel teaches us that there's a temple uh, in, in the millennium now, why? Christ died for us. There's no need. It is, it is for a special commemoration, obviously. And it's in the land, it's in the, it's in the millennial land of Israel. And people come, nations come at appointed times to be taught by Christ there uh, in, in, in Jerusalem. Although the name is changed and the name is, uh, anyway, it means the Lord is there. Uh, and and there, a lot of the teaching obviously is to remind us of all that Christ has done. He doesn't have to do it again, but it's a you know it's it's a it's a powerful teaching tool, I think, in those days. So, in the minds of Israel, matter of fact, there are a lot of Christian Jews, Messianic Jews, who still observe these things. You know. The Sabbath is holy to them. Uh, they don't think it saves them, but it's part of their culture. It's part of their heritage. And they believe as Jews, they don't believe that Christians have to obey that, or Gentiles, but they feel compelled to obey those things themselves. Many of them do. Uh, and thus they, they still do. So, uh, so, so I think that's, that's why the Lord says it the way that he does. Okay, well, we saw some pretty pictures, and we, we, we wove it into the teaching of Exodus 31, and we're going to stop there, okay? Let's pray. Father, how we marvel at your handiwork and, and how we are humbled at how just at the right times you give people the gifts that they need so that they might rise up in the human race to provide some kind of knowledge that we just at that time would so desperately need. And so, Father, we collapse into your sovereign presence in gratitude and thanksgiving for who you are and what you do for us all the time. We pray that you'll 
continue to draw us closer and closer to you as we seek to learn more about you. In Jesus' name, amen.